Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, a weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel. I'm your host, Alice. I'm Alexis. And we're Anne. And Doug. Hi, everybody. <laughs> same that... place. Hell yeah, same mic. This is going to be so great. That is right, folks. We are joined today by none other than one of my best pals in the entire world and YouTube extraordinaire Doug from the YouTube channel for every kind of geek. And he is joining us today to do a little retrospective on our time at New York Comic Con 2023 and discuss Marco and Jillian Tamaki's newest comic, Roaming, which is about three girls from Canada in 2009 exploring the Big Apple and their friendship dynamics. And so we thought it was an appropriate gateway to talk about our own trip to the Big Apple, our friendship dynamics, maybe start throwing some fisticuffs, and just sort of our love for the comic book medium in general after New York Comic Con. So before we get into too much Comic Con talk, I know we're all excited about it. Most of our listener questions are about New York Comic Con. So if that's why you're here, I mean, listen to the rest of the show. Roaming is brilliant. (laughs) But most of our con talk will be after about the hour mark when we go into listener questions and we just gush about our experience. Is everyone okay with that? Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay, so I want to start out with the Doug and Ann Power Hour. Talk to me about how your experience with roaming Marco and Jillian Tamaki, and then we'll hit Alexis and circle back to me. Ma'am? Well, shoot. I Roaming, I didn't know what to expect um, because <laughs> we we got the book on the, the list like a week ago. And honestly, I, I was excited. Um, I love Mariko Tamaki so much. I'm surprised this taking us this long to get a book from her on here. But like, if she is not on your radar at all times, she should be. And if she's only on your radar because you're like, didn't she write that Starfire book? No, stop it. Get some help. Get off Twitter for five seconds. Read this one summer. Go read Bean Super. Um, go read anything else. Just mm. read anything else. Or hell, de- even read that book. I'm sure it's not as bad as you think it is. Her Detective Comics was great. Her Detective Comics was fucking awesome. You know why? Because Batman didn't show up for fucking half of it. <laughs> I'm swearing like a sailor. Doug, Sam Wright. I mean, yeah, I, she said pretty much everything I was going to say. I mean, like, it's funny because Mariko Tamaki is someone who I have tremendous respect for, but I I only come back to her sporadically, and I feel like that's on me. I remember reading this one summer uh, years ago, uh, and I, I loved it. And it's uh, it's a real treat to see her come back to this, but I think especially the fact that she has her, I think it was her cousin uh, kind of acting as a co-creator on this. It's really cool to see them bring a lot of that uh, sense of closeness, that real, um, I guess like a very intimate connection that like you can really plumb some emotional stories out of to a book like this. Cause I do think you need to be incredibly close with your co-creator to get something that feels so real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the same magic they had in this one summer. It's the same creative team for this one summer. So if you haven't checked out yet, it's the perfect double feature, both books, very, very emotionally heavy hitting, but also very like calm at the same time. They have a very mellow, easygoing tone about them. 
and the pacing is so so well i guess i kind of always said it's really it's really um smooth i it's it's hard to describe it any other any other way it's just a very chill comic very very relaxing but at the same time sometimes a little awkward i love the very very real experiences in it especially in roaming where things just um explode you put three people exactly three named characters in the whole comic and you put them in one room together in one new york trip and shit just gets so tense so quickly and it's it was a delight see and maybe it was a good thing we didn't get bunk beds in our room because then that (laughs) we might have had way too much drama for us our one room to hold (laughs) bunk beds only lead to bad things look they're, they're fun but you know one thing leads to another, and that that extra friend is just climbing down and drama. Woo. <laughs> um, no, but I this is this was so fun to read because honestly, um, we showed up, we were all together. Dallas handed Ann and I this book, and he's like, "Okay, homework." And Ann and I were like, "What? <laughs> what do you mean, homework? We're on vacation." But it honestly was so fun to sit down with it and read through this group of friends visiting the Big Apple. I mean, I feel like New York City is something that I feel like is a shared experience for everyone just of thinking like this is a crazy place. Like this is something crazy. People like there are so many people that I know from where I'm from that talk about New York like it is this otherworldly place it's just so far out of our our mental capacity here in utah that everyone is like can you imagine an entire city that is just a bajillion people basically (laughs) and has so many historical sites so many experiences and just so different than anything we've ever experienced and i feel like this book perfectly captured that kind of fun majesty of going to a big place like this and running around, being with your friends, also wanting to punch your friend in the throat when you've spent too much time together. And it just, I feel like this was something that anyone can pick up and utterly enjoy. I feel like it was an art style that I felt so at home with. I mean, Anne and I kept like, joking we're like oh this this reminds us so much of like Tilly Walden's art and her her spinning um book like it just felt so beautiful and comfortable to us and I just loved the art I loved the storytelling and it just was so fun to see these big memorable sites that I remember being young and running around and being like look at this giant ass blue whale inside this building <laughs> it's great like that is Everybody should ha- experience that. Mm-hmm. I've never been to the M&M store, which I'm jealous about, but hey, there's always a next time, right? Mm-hmm. The amount of times that I slipped this weekend and said, hey, Lexi, when are we going to read um, spinning? And, no, I mean, roaming. And I mean, roaming. Kept that. <laughs> like, you know, that other book with the artist with the three color palette mm-hmm. and <laughs> the wonderful, wonderful art. That one. This was my introduction to Jillian Tamaki. I have not read this one Hmm. summer. And I was so impressed. I like Mariko Tamaki. I like her work a lot. My first Mariko Tamaki was Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me. 
which was a different art companion, but a very similar vibe. And obviously all of her superhero work has been great, but there's something so special about this. It feels strange to say the word genre. That's the word I'm going to use. This genre of graphic novel that is digest size, about 500 pages thick, and about a slice of life mm-hmm. with, like you said, a limited color palette and a looser art style, a more expressionistic art style, especially. It's often queer and it's often about people in their 20s and it just always hits for me. Like it's mm-hmm. got to be one, one of my favorite genres is surrealist gays causing drama. <laughs> and this book did not disappoint. I'm really glad to have picked it up. I think that Jillian Tamaki might be the master of the two-page spread in this book. Every time you turn the page and you got to see one of those big two-page spreads, it took my breath away. Mm -hmm. And as someone who initially came to New York as a tourist in 2017 and then moved to New York in 2020 and now gets to live here and enjoy myself here, this book captured so much of every one of those experiences magic. I remember my first time running around the city and like you said, Alexis, and like this book says, feeling like this is the biggest, most magical alien place in the world. But now as someone who lives here, there are a lot of moments where I fondly look to other people experiencing things I loved. Like I, for whatever reason, it was three months ago the first time that I walked past the Alice in Wonderland statues in Central Park. I just not happened to go to that section of Central Park before. And it was this fun new experience for me where I'm like, are those giant bronze statues of Alice in Wonderland? And got to admire them, hang out and chit chat. And there's so much of that in this book. They say, write what you know. And I think this book just was soaked through with lived experience of someone who Mm -hmm. has come to New York and knows that specific odd feeling of dabbing the grease off your pizza, but then also being lulled to sleep by the rock of the subway and how annoying it is to be a tourist with friends who don't want to do any touristy things. Like if I had a soapbox for five seconds Whenever someone comes to the city, like, we just want to do what you, what real New Yorkers do. I'm like, no, you don't. You'll have a full-time job and you'll go to a dinner that you're going to, expl- you are going to say is too expensive and kind of weird. And it's not fun. You do want to do the tourist things. You just don't want to feel like a tourist. And so that being at the center of this book's tension was incredibly fun for me. It was, it's like speaking of lived experience, I'm pretty sure that Mariko Tamaki just kind of hung around with us the last time I was here in Dallas because they followed a very similar schedule. We we went to the Met and then to the Natural History Museum. We saw the big blue whale. Um, it was, <laughs> it, it reminded me very much of that first, the nostalgia of that first trip. And exactly just it captured it so well and i think the art is really what sells that the a lot of the the character dialogue and a lot of the um the character actions in this are very very simple they're very realistic but i feel like a 
99% of the emotion comes from Jillian's artwork. I, and the way that it captures the feeling of the setting. There's the one panel at the very beginning, the, the two page spread. It's completely black except for the doorway, the lit up doorway of the hostel they're staying in. And it's just like, it feels when you're in the city for the first time, it can feel like that. Where it's like, there's this one place that's like, okay, I know this is my place. This is the one, the constant that I know is going to be here that I need to come back to. It's where I can keep my things. It's where I can take a load off. It is that one solid foundation in a sea of just absolute madness. Every single time I've walked out the door this week, I feel like I look around and I'm like, I do not remember any of these buildings from before. I do not know any landmarks. Um, this city could be pulling a Doctor Strange and shifting on me every five seconds, and I would have no idea. Not a goddamn clue. And also, it doesn't help that when you're a tourist, they're like, don't just don't look up, because then people know you're a tourist, and you're just like, focused on the street. You're like, if I just look like I know where I'm going, no one's going to notice. And it, you take even less of it. It's such an overwhelming sprawling experience and every single ounce of that is caught in these panels and it's like the, the the parts that matter are so accurate like the whale i'm like i remember it looking exactly like that or going to the mat it's like i remember exactly where they were i remember being exactly there i remember seeing the allosaurus i remember seeing central park the pizza we had didn't look exactly like that but is that is traditional iconic new york slices and I don't know. It's I I it's hard because all four of us lived this experience this week. I really want to know if like everyone else felt that same like feeling of just overwhelmingness, you know, and just the vastness of it. Yeah, I mean, I guess to to piggyback off of that, uh I I do think you're absolutely right and uh the the team here does a great job of like just making it the most authentic and overwhelming and like packed New York experience. But at the same time, like I think that kind of sensory overload that they have in the visuals uh, also primes some of like the book's quieter moments. Like there's um, there's something towards the ending that it, like really sticks with me when um, is the is the one girl's name Fiona? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when Fiona. Uh, is really not having a good time. She just screams and then puts her face in the pillow. And there's this really great effect where you just see the edge of the bunk bed. And even within the room, it's just this white void. Uh, and it, it, like, it makes you think like this, this is such a big city. There's so much going on at any time, but at the same time, like every single one of these people here has a life like they are leading lives and all of these little moments are happening amidst the the sea of chaos Mm -hmm. and i guess like that that makes me think something that i really love about this book is that it has such an amazing sense of scale where it can show you just the the hugest parts of this city but it can also make these tiny little moments uh you know obviously in the city but also in life feel gigantic and to me that's like the the perfect uh encapsulation of like what it what it is in your high school years or your college years because you just feel like everything matters so much everything is like titanically important and you just want to you just want to scream as loud as you can if something doesn't go your way 
it's like the perfect encapsulation and like the um the comparison the contrast between what you know is real and the rest of the world because when you're going out there for the first time everything is so big new york is the perfect perfect symbol to to represent that but there's the small things you hold on to whether it's the hostel door or the bunk bed you're screaming in or just that spot you're standing in on or the spot you're sitting on in the train it is the one spot that is yours and i think this book does a great job of solidifying that and by leaving everything else a little bit more vague a little bit more um what's the word i'm looking for impressionistic Um, yeah impressionist both both of those (laughs) thank you it makes a a great contrast that is both setting wise appropriate, but also thematically appropriate for what the characters are going through. Definitely. I, I mean, I know that we're like, we're going to talk about it at the end, but like, I just have to like being able to sit down and read this, this comic sitting next to my BFF Anne on the subway and I lean over and I'm like, look, they're on the subway. I'm on the subway, they're on the subway and it's going swish, swish, swish and I'm going to fall asleep in this chair. And just like feeling like I'm like, I have I've lived these moments. I know these feelings and it just is so fun to just feel so seen by a piece of media. Like, I've been young. I've been dumb. I've wanted to run buck wild all over the city last time I was there, you know, like it's just such a fun experience that I feel like anybody who has ever wanted to experience the quote unquote New York city feel like, I feel like this comic captured it perfectly and also spun it in such a great way where we have these character relationships. We have their problems that they're dealing with and then also to like come back to um i mean the name of the book is roaming which i feel like when i was reading through the first time i was like oh that's an interesting name like yeah they're roaming around the city but then just to like have the magnitude of the comment that they make to each other of how important it is that they've turned on their roaming data to communicate with each other because they care about each other i was like i'm with the people i would turn my roaming data on these are my these are my people. I love these people. I love running around the city and popping up at a, somehow a different Chelsea station with Anne every single time we go there and never knowing where we are. Every time we walked out of that damn subway, I'm like, where are we? What are we doing? How are we in the same place, but not the same place every time? And it just is such a joyful experience to live life with your friends in the city and have those experiences and be able to, um, I mean, overcome the weird shit, you know, like, I mean, we've heard it time and time again. Um, something that really struck me this weekend that someone said was how easy it is to be irked by a podcast partner and how easy it is to have them get on your nerves but I have never once felt like that about about you too. And then also, first of all, meeting Doug in person is the most wonderful experience of my entire life. We have bonded over how we love to get little treats. Would you call it whimsical? It is whimsical. <laughs> Doug is whimsical. Thank you. Oh, no. Doug is the reason New York City is whimsical. But it just is it's just so joyful. <laughs> I love you, Doug. 
I'm Doug's number one fan now. Oh, I love you, Lexi. Yeah, I, hey, it just back off. Just That's on. my friend. No, That's my brunch <laughs> I'm going to kidnap him. Everybody needs to back the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get for introducing us to him. Um, But no, it just is such a genuine happy feeling to spend so much time, but also not very much time, which is crazy. Like, I feel like I was there for a thousand years, but at the same time, I was like, I was there for two days and that was it. Um, But just to have so much joy and so much fun running around the city with your friends, like, I feel like that's just the most pure, wonderful feeling in the world. And I'm just very, I, I just, I just loved the comparison of reading that comic and then also living it while I was reading it. I was like, this is so great. That's what I wanted. That's why I picked it. <laughs> um, Plays Mastermind by Taylor Swift. <laughs> there, yes. There was a TikTok about a year ago that my wife sent me where this woman talked about how she accidentally shortened her life during the COVID-19 pandemic. She's like, I did the exact same thing every single day where I woke up. I started my job where I work from home. I closed laptop. I had dinner, I watched a show, and I went to bed. And I did that every night for about eight months. She's like, and then when I tried to reflect on what I had done in the year 2021, I couldn't tell you. She's like, I couldn't tell you what I did in 2021. And I realized that like the whole year had flown by and I had nothing to remember it by. And it was just going to be this strange blank spot in my life. And she's like, and so I'm trying really hard to extend my life to fill every day with interesting and fun things that I will remember. And that really struck both Addison and I, and it's something that we've really tried to do. And so Alexis, it makes my heart warm to hear that you said this, those two days felt like a thousand years because they did for me as well. Like the, the thought that I was at work Friday morning and that was only two days ago seems insane to me because it does it feels like a lifetime ago and i i love that feeling i love the feeling of living a full enough life that just to take a snippet of a single day feels like an a whole meal and i think there's a possibility to do that no matter where you live like obviously we love this book we love the city that it represents but honestly a big part of why this book spoke to me was reuniting with friends from your past when you're a new person. And it made me reflect on my, my friends in Utah and the friends that I went to high school with that I don't see very much anymore. I don't speak to very much anymore, but they made my life feel large as well. And though there's a sadness a little bit that we have changed so much that we don't talk much anymore. We don't have much of a, much common ground anymore there's still a love there there's still a care like if i got a call from any of those friends or if i called any of them we would be there in a heartbeat and i think that specific version of young adult on we is captured really well in this book where it's like we are becoming different people because we live far away and it feels wrong that we aren't as close as we used to be but at the end of the day i still love you i still care about you and i think this book this is going to be a very weird comparison point, but it reminded me a lot of the works of Ernest Hemingway, where he just writes from his life. And he he lived this Vitruvian man 
sort of savant lifestyle where you're like you did everything like you what the hell do you mean you became a pilot what, what the hell do you mean you hunted elephants and you moved to cuba to become a socialist and like and all that creeps into his books and it makes these amazing stories and i think marco tamaki does such a good job of that as well where everything you read like i i believe you because of how specific this experience and place is like i believe this happened even if it didn't it just feels so true to life and I, it made me think a lot about my life. And I think that's why I like these books so much. Like at the end of the day, I'm never going to be Aquaman, but I have often been both Z and B, and then at times even Fiona. Mm-hmm. It's great. Awesome. Can I say something past it to you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And going off that, where it's like, I feel like this happened even if it didn't. Um, at one of the panels I was at today, um, Erica Schultz, um, writer over at Marvel, um, X-23, um, Hallow's Eve, she was talking about um, emotional realness, where it's like, even if this didn't happen to me, literally, even if I didn't do, like, even if I didn't go to New York and have my experience ruined by a friend who was too horny to do the tourist stuff with me, or even if I didn't have, like, this experience in new york where superheroes were fighting it, the the emotional beat of it was still real that was that's the important part and you can take that moment you can take that to to pull from like spider-man because i forget the exact word she used for it i i talked about it on twitter earlier <laughs> but um the canon event that emotional canon event and just wrap it in a different package as long as that emotion stays real that's the important thing. That is the lived experience. That emotion is the lived experience, even if the circumstances are different. And I think that whether it's this or this one summer or being super, any book where Mariko Tamaki is talking about finding yourself, that emotional core is always true and real. And the honest piece of her life going into this. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so funny that you bring up just the concept of emotions and emotional honesty because I think, like, it's it's so funny. Kind of uh, beginning the story, you definitely see these three very distinct characters. Like, you 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 can almost kind of see the types. Like, oh yeah, of course, uh, goth girl with the buzz cut, uh, kind of like just the the happy preppy girl. And then, uh, you know, like the fancy want to be native New Yorker who has done all of this before. But the more you, I guess, like with every scene, the more you experience with these characters, like honestly, the more I felt I could see myself in every one of them. Cause there are, there are just moments where I, I definitely felt like Fiona. I felt burned out by just the, I don't know, just the state of everything. The fact that I feel like, even though you can put on appearances, you're spinning your wheels. Uh, other times I, I do feel like, um, I'm so sorry that I just know them as Z and D, but I like, I, I feel uh, sometimes that I'm kind of bobbing around. I don't really know where I am. I don't know uh, if I'm keeping my head above water or if I'm, you know, winning at life or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and sometimes I just want to go out and adventure. Uh, and what's so interesting is that this story is kind of like, it's showing what happens when those three 
raw emotions collide with each other. And again, I think that's, that's kind of the theme of coming of age and like coming into adulthood, realizing that, uh, I guess to, to pull a phrase, like nobody knows who they want to be in their first year. And it's the idea that life isn't this perfect thing. It's not what you see on a postcard or what you think, you know, or just the fear of the unknown. It's just one ever evolving adventure. And it's really cool to see that unfold. It's cool to just roam. Lex, what are you thinking? I feel like another thing that really struck struck me hard and also was like the flip side of this story was like I focused on the dynamic of two established friends and then a new friend, which is something Talk about that, this. Yeah. Talk I, about this. <laughs> having grown up a little problematic child, I love to be a little problematic child here and again, but I always time and time again found myself in what I used to call the female friendship thruple. And that always creates such an interesting dynamic. I can never put my finger on it. I don't know why it happens. But there always is the two and the two, if that makes sense. Like the – I feel like it's a phenomenon that happens when there's three friends that they can never stay friends (laughs) for whatever reason. There's always just something that happens. And all of the friend groups that I've had that's been three friends, there's always like the quote unquote like picking of the sides. And I feel very seen by – isn't her name Danny, the cute little touristy one? Her name's Danny, right? I think so. Danny. Um I felt very seen by her because I remember years ago, like I think I was probably middle school, which is hilarious. Um, I actually got to go to New York City when I was 15 with my school. And we were all put in hotel rooms with other 15-year-old kids from our school. And there was three girls in my hotel room. And I was like, these are my best friends. And then leaving New York City, they were not my best friends, which is sad. (laughs) But it just was like, it's so interesting to learn and develop and find what you love about people, if that makes sense. Like, that's where I'm going with this. Having experiences that flesh out your relationships with people are so interesting because we follow this trio through their trip of um, Zoe and Fiona kind of starting to flirt with each other, getting comfortable with each other, and having their little whirlwind romance, if you will, on their trip for five days, having never met each other before, and just kind of leaving Danny out to dry on her trip that she's planned. She's been so excited about. She's wanted to do all of these things. And it just is something that it's like, I feel like those hurt feelings are something that everybody has felt at least once in their life. Like, oh, these two people that I love and I have a really great relationship with are having fun without me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They're doing their own thing and I Mm -hmm. am sad about that. And so I 
guess I'll just go do my own thing. And that just, I feel like, of course, in the lens of like them being in New York City and her just going to do her touristy things by herself was like cutesy. But I feel like that's a really big thing that happens a lot in life for a lot of people. Like it's it's hard to be mad at friends. It's hard. It's really, really tough to have those feelings and to have those experiences where you're frustrated and you're mad at the people that you're closest with. And to be able to kind of find your way back to the common ground of bringing someone something that you found in a little food street cart and like, this smells good. I don't know what it is, but we can both share it if you want. But you have to sit on the other side of the room and eat it. I'll sit over here. Like, it oftentimes is just as simple as the little peace offering. And I was like, this is what this is. This is the little girl, this is the little girl dinner peace offering that's happening right now. <laughs> and it just, it's just so special. Like it, this is a book where all of the emotions are something that I guarantee in one shape or another you have felt in your life. I feel like this is something that anybody can read and feel seen by because it's just so genuine. And I I loved reading it this weekend. It was a treat. I feel like my hyper-specific Marako Tamaki was in the room with me moment was when Z finally, after D has been saying how smart Z is all weekend, and like, oh, you're a genius, just says like, I'm failing two of my classes. Queens College is very hard. Like I I went to a very hard college. And I remember that exact feeling of like, I got into the really hard college. I know I have tied up a lot of my self-identity in being smart. And I am working so hard to get a C in this class. And I have never gotten a C before in my life. And this is this is going to sound crazy. Here's some tiny therapy. I... It came up like two weeks ago, like that insecurity that I didn't do as well in college as I wished I did because I went to a very hard college. And sometimes I just wish like I would have went to an easier college and got a bunch of A's and I had to think about it when amps and I'm so happy for you. You were talking about a master's program and there was just like this pang in me where I knew that like because of grades, I got my sophomore year in college. Like I don't know that I could go and pursue a master's program. And like, it just, it is a media hurt where like scholastics was always this big identifier for me as a human being. Like I am a scholastic person and just like feel that door shut. It was crazy that I, I had those feelings like be unearthed. And then I read this book like one week later where someone in fiction was talking about that exact experience. And it's that kind of specificity that I think makes a brilliant writer. Like I think Mariko Tamaki is someone who has transcended just success as a storyteller into renown as a storyteller because of her willingness to be emotionally honest with her reader about things that seem trivial. But like that moment for me specifically, I was like, this is the most scene I've felt in a very long time. And it, it's not like this core aspect of who I am, but it, it was just shocking to me that like this is an insecurity that 
just came up for me and now here it is in a book. And I, again, like I, I think the last couple of weeks on this show, I've been talking a lot about the importance of reading comic books outside of the American direct market. And I, I would lump manga in there as well. Sort of the like teenage boy fantasy action comics that like we all love. If you branch out of that, I think there's something about this graphic storytelling medium that makes it the very best medium in the world for slice of life and quiet because you can get surreal. You can get strange. I talked about this with Erica Henderson in a recent interview where she said in any other medium, if you choose to do like a three color palette in a movie, that's all anyone would talk about. But with comics, you can just choose like Jillian Tamaki did. So yeah, we're using three colors in this and it's going to be pretty and surreal, but like it's not going to be distracting from what's going on. Whereas like it would be distracting in film or television and impossible in the written word. And it's just uh, fun. Uh, I guess just to piggyback off of that, I I like specifically what you said about, uh, I guess, the, the one, the colors and two, the, the surreality of it. Something that I really noticed right away was that uh, color wasn't just confined to what was within the gutter. Uh, it was like a full page thing. So uh, I know sometimes they used the uh, the shade to kind of track the time of day, which I thought was really, really clever because it it helps break down every one of these chapters and and really like give you a feeling for beat by beat how the story is going but uh i guess going into the other point the fact that uh they can do a like a heightened take on these stories makes it all the better there's um there's one moment and i just i want to paraphrase this by showing how much of a square i am i am not a weed person i have never done weed before but uh there there is a scene well, best where they, it's why our best friends, a couple of squares, a couple of little squares hanging out in the big city. Yeah, the, there's a there's the scene where they hit a joint together and it's I, I can't quite describe it. It's almost like they get a, a vision of them as young adults or I guess kind of older adults having very similar experiences. And it's it, it's such a great way of tying like what I guess what I'd consider a very normal teenage experience with what they're going through. The idea that like shorthand, you know what drugs do. They make you have weird visions and stuff using that to kind of give them a vision quest where they see, you know, where, where they will go down the road is an incredible inspired choice and that's just one of the more obvious things there's um oh gosh i forget i think um they're talking specifically about fiona and then it cuts to that amazing two-page spread of just her godzilla-sized walking over like a, a city block in new york uh it's amazing i love flourishes like that can we talk about Fiona? Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> so 
I'm going to go into my therapy session here for a second. So Fiona is a really, really interesting character to me. Cause she's that, that monkey in the wrench. She's the, the, the loop that gets thrown. And I, the way it was, it was Z that fell for her so hard. Right. Yeah. So I just, it's been a long week. The way that she just dives fully into this new thing instead of, you know, spending any time with D and like, like she falls hard, so, so hard into this. It's something that I related to very well. Um, Cause you know, when you have um, something new like that come up, like a relationship or a friendship, it can be very, very easy to just like, Hey, I'm having a lot of fun with this. This is what I want all the time. I want this thing. I want this person. I want to have this new feeling forever. And you go so hard, you go so fast, and you leave a lot in your wake. Um, I'm thinking back to my last relationship that started my junior year of college. And... Um, of course, I wasn't out as a woman at the time or a lesbian, but we kind of U-hauled. <laughs> Anyways, they were living out of my dorm room after like um, like a month. And I just, every single night I was hanging out with them and just, you know, vibing, going on dates. Every single weekend I was with them, 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 them. And we did everything together. We went everywhere together. And it didn't, I didn't realize until like I'd broken up like, I sacrificed a lot of my, like, personal education for that. There were definitely times that I could have studied harder or longer, gotten better grades. Um, there's a lot I missed out on in college because of that. I have friends who, for the last few years, I've worked tirelessly over and over again to, like, get to know better in ways that I should have known long ago, you know, where it's like, I feel so weird that there are people that I've known since... 2015 2016 that i'm only really starting to get to know in the last year and i'm like where where was i what was i doing and it's that that term i mentioned that erica schultz was talking about earlier she um described it as emotionally biographical where it's like you take that part of your life that emotion and you put it into a different setting and a lot of what fiona and um z were going through in the story was very, very painfully familiar to me. And it hurts reading it from Dee's perspective when she goes off on everything that's been happening and how it's made her feel. And yeah, it's it's hard when like your life is this, <clears throat> excuse me, complicated web of so many people that you love and you want to spend time with and that contribute to your life in such meaningful ways. And it's the the balancing act of keeping that all together as things change and you grow and understanding you don't have to to sacrifice things just because you want to try the new thing it's sometimes you have to understand like what's really important and i i thought that was really really special it's coming to terms with not just yourself but what you want and the relationships around you and that was awesome Ooh, me? <laughs> okay, Dallas will edit that out so it wasn't so awkward. Okay. Love you, Dallas. He won't. 
Um, <laughs> Sorry. Put a laugh track right there. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. <sighs> no, it it really is just perfect. I I feel like I've said just about everything that I like came to the forefront of my mind with it. But it just I don't know. Like I wish that I could just like bottle up the feeling of reading it while going through this weekend and just keep it forever cuz it just was the perfect like capstone to all the things that we experienced this weekend and yeah no i just it was a good one oh doug i was gonna say i do have one more thing to add and it was specifically when dallas said let's talk about fiona because i do find fiona so fascinating as a character in this because i mean like going back to uh, what we've been talking about in terms of perspective, I think Fiona is one of the few characters in this who is explored the least, but even still, it gives you kind of a full picture of who she is and what she's going through by the end. And I guess to, to kind of give anybody out there like a quick recap, you know, she presents herself as this, uh, I've been around and I've done it all sort of person. Like she, she very deliberately like drops hints. Oh yeah. I've got like a brother here who's an artist. And then later she goes, Oh yeah, I've got a brother who's a DJ. Like she is, she's very clearly fronting. And as, as someone who has done that before, uh, I, I definitely felt a sense of connection with that. And I also felt a sense of connection when she finally, lets the mask slip and goes, yeah, I am just me. And I don't really like that because I do wish I was more. And uh, I, I do. It's funny because I think the, a story like this could have very easily just made her a bad guy. Um, You know, like it's, it could have very easily been like a, Oh yeah. You know, don't hang out with the wrong crowd sort of thing. But it's the fact that it goes through the steps to kind of paint them all as um, people in a similar place where they don't quite know where they are and where they want to be. And it, I don't know. I, I, if I feel like the story ends on a note, that's just saying like, we were all kind of struggling to be better people. And uh, you know, if we all, open up and are a little more honest with each other, we can get there. I, I love that perspective because like, honestly, I wasn't even looking at Fiona as like a, a full character for most of the story. I was looking at her as the, the foil in Z and D's character arcs. She was a, a plot device to me almost, but I love that you had that perspective where it's like, I identify with what she's going through. And I think that speaks to the, the quality of this book that she can feel like both she is that foil she does push their arcs along but she has her own she has her own depth she has her own complexity and you know in a book where there's only three named main characters to the whole thing i it's a wonderful balancing act that mariko does that none of the characters in the story are actually capable of doing themselves so i thought that was great i think the small cast was the right choice yeah and it allowed over the almost 500 pages of this book 
for us to get to know them very well and get to see many different aspects of them. Because like Anne, I spent a lot of the book being frustrated at Fiona and just feeling like, oh, this girl is the worst. And then as we kept going, realizing like this girl is being the worst because she wants to seem cool to this established friendship. Like she's acting this way because she is feeling like the outsider in this group. And they're just, Oh yeah. I mean like who, who's never had imposter syndrome. (laughs) It's the most universal thing. Uh, You just, it makes me think about all the times, like Doug said, the times that I have found myself being a bigger version of Dallas because I don't necessarily feel comfortable where I'm at. Like, I feel like I need to be a big version of myself to even be heard or seen within a larger group of people who have established relationships. Like that's a very real emotion. And I mean, I, I think the last thing I would say about this book before maybe shifting towards New York comic-con talk would be, like Anne said earlier, if you haven't read Mariko Tamaki's work or specifically her work outside of superheroes, like she wins awards outside of the comic book world for a reason. Like all of her books have a big shiny medallion on all of them for a reason. Mm-hmm. So I would absolutely say check this out. I'm very excited to read this one summer. Uh, shout out to Matt Draper for telling me to read that for like three years now. And I'm finally going to get around to it. It can be a huge day for wrestling fans, folks. <laughs> but do oh, we yeah. all have any last thoughts before New York Comic Con? And if not, I want to go and Doug, Lexi, me talking about our experience at the con. So any final thoughts? Amazing Wait. book. Ten Very- out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> Very poignant this weekend. So fantastic. <laughs> and talk to us about the con. Talk to us about New York Comic Con, your for- first Comic Con experience. Actually, maybe New York, baby. Okay. Yeah. Only in New York. <laughs> um, Wow. First con experience ever was New York Comic Con. And I can't wait to tell everyone how <laughs> it's like a, both a great idea and a bad idea at the same time. I am so emotionally drained at the moment. Um, but honestly, I've <laughs> it's amazing how tired I am, but I've never felt better. It's I think it's a really great reset for anyone who's just feels like I love this medium and I just want to remind myself why it's especially for someone who's interested in the craft, interested in the people behind the scenes, there is no better opportunity you're going to have to get like the behind the scenes look at this because you have unlimited access to so many wonderful creators. And yeah, it's fun to get there and get, get signatures and, you know, get pictures. But I think the best moments I had this weekend were just talking to people that I admire and who have, you know, changed my life. (sighs) But like face to face and like realize you're an actual person. You do this because you love it. You do this because you have stories to tell. You do this because you were once where I was and these stories were changing your life. (sighs) 
sorry, emotional experience this weekend, and my battery is out. So it's it's remarkable, absolutely remarkable. And there's a lot of details we'll go into later when we get into the questions, but it's just, hmm. I wish the people on Twitter and the people listening to this could have that same experience and like connect with these creators on the same level that we've been fortunate to this week. Cause they're just the fucking best. And yeah, they make you feel like the best because you're the one out there supporting them, reading their books and enjoying it. And it's just, yeah, it was wonderful. I, Anne won't say this about herself. It was so fun to watch people light up when they saw Anne. And I know many of you that are here listening to this show are here because you love Anne and what she has to say about comic books. And it was fun to see comic book professionals, people that we love and admire, when she said, Hi, my name is Anne. Watch their lights click, recognition, a giant smile across their face. And like industry titans stand up and want to shake her hand and say thank you for what she does for the comic book industry. Like it was, it was astonishing. I, we are all so grateful for Anne. And it, one of the highlights of my weekend was watching everybody else get to love this person that I feel privileged to get to express my love to every day. Like I, I realize there are many people that wish they could have the same access to the wonderful woman that is Anne that like Lexi, I and Doug get to have. So that was huge fun part of my con, but I'm interrupting Doug's time talking about Comic-Con. Oh, I'm just happy to hear this. It's uh, <laughs> I can't, I, there's no way I can top either of those. Uh, this is my second New York Comic Con. Last year was the first uh, event that I'd attended since I moved out here. And uh, it's, I mean, it's incredible because I, I love both. But to me, this one felt so much bigger in a number of ways. Um, it really felt like um, <laughs> getting to see Ann and Lexi come out here. I got to see what I was experiencing last year through fresh eyes, uh, just in other people. And it made me just, sorry, there was, there was a car outside my window. Uh, it made me just realize how, how much of a, like a privilege it is to connect with a community like this, because I mean, just peek into my, personal history like comics have always been a huge part of my life they're what i use to connect with people in high school they're what i use to connect with people in college uh when i was really like hunkered in in a in a job where i couldn't really like go outside much i started making stuff and i found a community that way and i connected with these lovely people who i'm i'm talking with right now And it's, I mean, it's so funny because I think we do get bogged down in like the, the Twitter of it all. Just the idea that there's a lot of angriness out there because a story doesn't go the way you'd like, but that is not 
the totality of this community or this medium. I think there's something so beautiful about, you know, stepping into this and finding someone who is just as passionate about these stories as you and to find out that like they're one of the people who wrote it to, to get to connect with them in person and say, I love your work and to watch them just kind of react to that is magical. And that's, I, that is why I love this comic con experience. I think one of my favorite parts, this is my second con with Doug and one of my favorite parts of the weekend again was watching Anne and Alexis get to have the Doug experience to be around <laughs> one of the most generous with his time, energy and attention kind individuals I've ever met. Like there is nobody who spends any amount of time around Doug that feels anything less than one of the most important people in the world. He has such a capacity to let you know what you mean to him and make sure that you are okay and having fun. And I think something specifically within the framework of New York Comic Con that's so fun going with Doug is watching him aim that at comic book creators where when he tells a comic book creator, your work means so much to me, there is such a warmth and genuine love behind those words that you watch it impact them. And I, again, was incredibly grateful to get to see Alexis and Anne experience what I am lucky enough to get to experience like every weekend with this guy where like you just walk around the city and you're like, Oh, this guy's my new best friend. He is amazing. And that was a blast. I think everybody should watch the YouTube channel for every kind of geek and everybody should try to be pals with Doug because yeah. him dressing up as Jimmy Olsen feels appropriate. He is the most super pal <laughs> in the planet on the planet. It's so true. If Doug really is an absolute gem. I have never found another person who loves a treat as much as I do. Doug is my number one <laughs> treat guy. Every I know we I know we like teased you so much this weekend about how you always knew where a bakery was, but that was just the happiest the happiest I've ever been. I'm like, "Oh, yes. Doug Doug gets it. Doug gets it." That was like the hidden joy, finding out I had a kindred spirit in Dallas's sister. Yes. Gem. Absolute gem. Um, but no, honestly, this also was my my very first Comic-Con and also really anything like this ever. I've never been to a large-scale event like this before, and I... There are, there are so many thoughts and feelings. Like it just was so jam-packed of so many wonderful things. Like I have never felt so like unhinged with just my happiness. Like I probably lost every single one of my toes walking around there this weekend, but I have never felt so happy to want to cut my own foot off. Like I... It just was, oh, it just was so fun. And also just to be surrounded by so many people who just love these things. Like that's something that just kept coming back to me. Oh, time and time again. It was like, I am surrounded 
by all of these people who all can agree that this is something special. We are here for a reason and we all recognize how amazing this huge community is. There are so many different categories under the Comic-Con umbrella, but just to see everyone interact and see everyone like, I mean, it was, I felt like I was in a live action Where's Waldo because I was like, look at all of these amazing, first of all, cosplays, coolest shit I've ever seen. If I see another nine foot Wookiee walking around, holy shit, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. And it just was so, so fun. I just was like, I want to run around like freaking the little Sonic the Hedgehog through all of these different places, look at all these different people. And then also to like realize, like I had no context going into this. I had no idea what to expect. And I feel like uh I say that time and time again on this podcast with literally everything I do. I'm not a very critical thinker. Um, But (laughs) just to go in and be like, oh, I can buy prints from these artists. I can have them sign these. I can talk to these people that I have read and looked at their work time and time again for the last three years now. Like, I get to interact with these people in real life and put a name to the face and have these interactions and see their genuine joy for their craft and to be able to share it with my friends, with my older brother. Like, it just was so much fun. And I loved finally, finally getting to meet the Anne Brenneman in person. Our slumber party in our hotel room was so fun. I know we were both so tired the entire time that we were there, but it just was such such a joy to be able to, I mean, just last night, like her and I, after, after dinner, just got to walk just 10 streets down to our hotel together, 20 minutes walking down together, just the two of us, and just to, just to talk. And it was just so special and it's just so fun and I just I just love her so much and I'm gonna cry too but this it is insane to me how something that I on a whim told my brother that I would read a comic book so that he could keep talking about the things that he loved on his podcast has turned into something so big that has changed not only our life, but my life personally, to feel more of my authentic self. And I just it's just so crazy to me how many amazing people have come out of this. So I'm very grateful for this experience this weekend. I love seeing my sister, the adult Alexis. And I feel like this weekend, because so often when I'm around Alexis in person, We are also around our family and everyone knows you have to be on in a certain way around your family. Like you love them. They're wonderful, but they expect a certain version of yourself. And it was so fun to be around my friend Alexis in person this weekend and watch from the side. I often felt I we joked a lot about dogs and pets and everything this weekend. And I have a dog who is very hyper focused on specific tasks. 
I'm not going to talk about the other dog right now. But <laughs> I, I thought have, you were talking about the dog. I <laughs> not. I, I have a dog who is hyper fixated on tasks, and he's always doing a job. And at the the behest of everything around him, he will do that job. And that's a little bit how I felt at Comic Con this week. I felt like I was working really hard to network, working really hard to like do the job part of this. And I often felt like I should be being a better friend to my friends. And it was so fun and comforting to me to watch my sister play that role. Like watch Alexis be best friends with everybody there. Watch how effortlessly she connected with everyone we met. And I think my favorite Comic-Con experience was watching Alexis meet Chip Zdarsky, which I'll let her talk more about a little bit later. But I just, like she said, to think about the fact that this show was started because I was like, I know Alexis has a tangential interest in comic books. I've shared some with her before, and I really want this podcast to keep going. I'm going to ask her to be my partner. And then to A, see the friendship that we have created, where like we did not get along as little kids at all and then we were like ambivalent towards each other when this started and now she is one of my best friends in the entire world and to see her in person and to see her love of this medium change so much and see her genuinely be excited new york comic-con meant a lot to me as well and it was just like this big fun full circle moment having all four of us wander around new york comic-con together and it just we're grateful to you listeners for providing us a platform to get to do that and get to have fun and get to talk with. I mean, I think we would do this if there were five listeners, but it does help that (laughs) there are a few more than that. And just we're grateful. Um, This was my third New York comic con. Um, And this is the one where I felt like I got my groove. Like the first one, I went alone and it was very fun to see everybody dressed up to see the scope of this convention. Cause I had been to Salt Lake fan X a few times and New York comic con is so much bigger and the talent that attends is so much bigger. And the idea that I could meet with my heroes was crazy to me just to like bask in their sunlight for three seconds. And then last year, I got to go with my friend Doug that I had made through comic books. And I felt like everything was coming up Millhouse. Like I I was with my friend. We were talking about comics in a way that I like to talk about comics. But there's someone that's so intelligent next to me teaching me about the comic books that he loves and discussing them as an artistic medium and not just a transportation device for superhero stories And it was brilliant and wonderful. And I had this amazing experience where the comic book writer that got me into comics, Scott Snyder, paid me an incredible compliment right in front of my friend. And it made me feel like the coolest guy in the world. But there was still this shyness and this like, I don't belong here that I felt in moments like that, where I'm like, oh, man, I can't believe this is happening to us. And then this year, getting press passes like that felt so validating. But then like, the confidence I felt as I got to walk through that room and realize that we've had most of my favorite people there on this show. And the conversation got to be, I'm so excited to meet you in person. 
let's talk for 30 minutes. And like that, that was one of the happiest experiences of my life. Just feeling like feeling confident. And as someone who, I mean, if you listen to the show, you wouldn't believe me, but like someone who has spent so much of my life being so shy and scared and like all of the, all the exuberance and confidence is fake. And like, I know it's fake. Even if other people don't around me, don't know what it is. And to not feel that this weekend, to like actually feel confident, actually feel happy and feel like these are people that I can be myself around. Like there's no show going on. And while it was emotionally tiring, like we've all touched on, and there was a little bit of like being on with a big smile. There were also so many energizing moments, just talking to people I admire and understanding and feeling in that moment, like they're having as much fun talking to me as I am them. And like that came from this show, like breaking down that barrier, getting to talk with these creators on a regular basis. Like from the release of this two days ago, we've just posted an interview with Kelly Thompson and it's like the third time we've talked to her and we get to talk to her like she's our friend because I think she is our friend at this point. And that's, that's incredible. And New York comic-con felt incredible because I was meeting my heroes who have become my friends in some small way and hopefully not in a parasocial way. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's, it's just trying to compose myself before I keep going. It's crazy thinking back to like, during the pandemic where I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to, going to finally do it. I'm going to make this little Twitter account. Just see if I can find a couple people to talk comics with. Should be fun. Get like, I don't know, 20 people, (laughs) probably. At least someone to listen to me talk about how much I love Aquaman. That would be perfect. That's the ideal. Um, That's all I need. But... (laughs) I cannot, <laughs> that that should be just it. I cannot, I cannot speak. I cannot understate how amazed I am at where I am now and the relationships I've made, the people I've gotten to meet. It's, it's unbelievable. And, you know, if you're out there listening and you're thinking about like, if you feel like you're on your own, and comics give you that place to go where you're like, hey, I feel like I see myself here. Talk about it. Reach out in this community. Make your voice known because you will make the most incredible connections. <sighs> I'm thinking about the fact that I met Glenn this week, someone that I talk to like <laughs> almost every day. Normally, that I've never met. It's like, I have friends from across the ocean. (sighs) You have to forgive me. It's Sunday night. It's been a lot. The fact that I had um, my favorite writers, people I've been reading for over a decade, chatting me up like we're BFFs and Dallas keeps making fun of me for it, but Step on the Sage 
the kindest fucking guy. It's so, so validating to find yourself in this community and with the people around you. And exhausting, but (laughs) the best week of my life. Absolutely. Well, we have a few listener questions. I have specific questions about New York Comic Con. Can I can I run down those? Yeah, absolutely. Let everybody mute themselves and blow their blow their noses. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> and while I read this, uh, why mute yourself? Just leave it in. Just blow that trumpet. Can just honka honka. I appreciate. It. As Anne always likes to say, just honka honka. Um, anyway, Glenn Machet asks. I can't remember what you're reading. Uh, Glenn, it's called Roaming by Marako and Jillian Tamaki. It just came out from Drawn and Quarterly. Um, you're very cool, Glenn. You read Cool Guy Comics, and so I think you should pick this one up. And you should talk to me about Drawn and Quarterly Comics. That's where we're at. Spider-Man is great, but Glenn, you and I, we're on the Drawn and Quarterly spaceship, okay? Number one, who was your favorite Northern Irish man you met at New York Comic Con? Um, it's got to be Declan Shelby for me. I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Glenn, it was of course, so wonderful to meet you. Glenn, of course it's you. You, I told my wife when I met Glenn, she's like, how was Glenn? I was like, Glenn is someone who immediately makes you feel like you're his best friend. Like I, there was not a beat of awkward, like, oh, hey, how you doing? It was like a continuation of a conversation we've been having for 10 years, even though it was the first time we'd ever talked in person. And I think that is an incredible talent, Glenn. The fact that you can make people feel warm and special and like they're your best friend in seconds. And being the recipient of that made me so happy. And I know there are so many people in your life that feel that as well. If I can feel that within 10 seconds of saying hello to you, you were a delight. And I'm so glad I got to meet you in person. I agree, Glenn. It was an absolute joy to be able to spend the first First part of my first day at Comic-Con, wandering around the floor with you. That was very fun. And also, I loved every single picture that you showed me of your cute, adorable children. So thank you for that. <laughs> I love I love a good, cute picture. Oh, you know. You know, Glenn. <laughs> it's Declan Shelby for her, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's funny because... Uh, I, I know Glenn through you guys and having gotten to meet him, I, I completely agree. He has this kind of just inherent warmth about him. Uh, and it was, it was so great to finally see that in person as someone who's just kind of like connected with him as a, you know, friend of a friend. It's, I mean, it, it goes to show you just how widespread these connections can be and just how good art can bring people together. Absolutely. Uh, question number two from Glam Machette, always a great question writer, says, what was the best cosplay at the con that you each saw? Alexis is bursting at the seams. We're going to let her go first. I, first of all, first of all, a little bit of context. I love dressing up. I love costumes. I love all of this. So to have like, go, it's like to go to the place where people dress up very seriously. I was like, this is amazing. First of all, seeing the the giant Wookiee when I walked in, I know I mentioned him already. That was phenomenal. I was like, you were in a full fur suit. 
surrounded by thousands of people. I know you're sweating, so may peace be with you. But also, <laughs> we haven't mentioned our – I don't know if I'm allowed to mention it, actually. We did an interview while we were there. <laughs> we were interviewing a, a lovely special someone. And while I was lit, this is so terrible. And I, but while I, I was literally talking, being the one talking to, to her and the coolest two Mandalorians I have ever seen in my entire life walked directly behind her. And I was like, my little eyes just went bing right to those Mandalorians. And I was like, oh no, I do not want her to think I am not paying attention. So I had to like, laser in to not look at those two Mandalorians while they were walking around. And I was like, focus, 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 focus. I'll find them afterwards. And I never did. I never found them afterwards. But they were very cool. Two Mandalorians. All of this, actually, all of the Star Wars costumes were very cool. Cosplays, they were very cool. I am a costume girly. I love them. 10 out of 10. I'm very upset that I only saw one Captain Marvel the entire weekend, but it was so, she was so cool. She was wearing a, like a Captain Marvel mid, like a medieval armor set where it had like chain mail and like shoulder plating and just walking the other way. It's like, if we weren't on our way to an interview at that moment, I would have been like, wait, we need to stop. We need to say, we need to say hi to this person, but we just could not. So yeah, it's just, it was crazy it's it's also <laughs> it's so funny when you're just standing there and then someone walks by and they're half naked and you're like oh wow that happened yeah. that was under boob rocket girl it was on a rainy day too on a rainy day yes, these man. people are you are cold it's raining <laughs> hey slave leia is a san diego costume not definitely not a new york, not a new york costume. Comic-Con. When oh. I go as Jessica Rabbit next year, you'll all see. Oh my gosh. There also, we go. Pregnant Padme was fabulous. Oh, it was a real, was. a real beautiful pregnant woman who was dressed as pregnant Padme with her little brown outfit. And I was like, look at you. And her husband was dressed as Anakin. I was like, love that for you too. We saw a, a great Jane Foster who yeah. apparently won an award. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, – I forget what it was, but I just saw her show up in the highlights later and I thought, wow, that was pretty bananas. She was sitting like six feet away from us. <laughs> oh, were you the one that saw the Sasquatch costumes yeah. with me? Yeah. Yes. Alpha Flight Sk- Sasquatch. It was like nine feet tall yeah. taking pictures of people. And I thought that was that was the sickest. Like real scale. He must have been on stilts or something. That's so cool. I saw, similarly, I saw Death from Death Note, like nine feet tall, yeah. hanging out oh, on was, Saturday. I was going to say, I was with you when we saw that guy. That was cool. That was incredible. I love the 501st Legion. Like, I know mm. that's a super basic answer, but they look as good, if not better, than the actual Lucasfilm Stormtroopers. Like, when they walk around, like, oh, that's a real-life Stormtrooper that I just saw. And the fact that they do it all in character... And it, it's one of the few times I still feel a deep love for Star Wars is <laughs> whenever I'm around them, I'm like I'm 11 years old again. Maybe I should watch Andor episode three where everyone says it gets good. And then I chase that thought away like a, the good Christian man I am. And I go back <laughs> to just reading comic books. Straight but, uh, oh, there was also a werewolf Wolverine that was incredible. <gasps> yes, yeah. that was a good one. Werewolf Wolverine. Cosplay is great. If you have suggestions for what we should cosplay as next year, 
let us know. We should cosplay as Ed, Ed and Eddie. We should go with Doug <laughs> as the Fantastic Four. <gasps> Ooh, who, what does that make all of us? I mean, he's definitely Reed. I can yes. be the thing. Alexis can be Johnny. And <laughs> Okay, actually, that's exactly War. what I would have said. So I'm glad we're all on the same page. So Anne's here the whole time. You don't see her? <laughs> She's really mad at her. She's not. Staying. Oh, Anne said she was going to cosplay right a fridge next year. Oh, do no. what? Do you, you remember that? Go a fridge next year. Oh, said, oh yeah, you yeah, said yeah, that's that was what a, you wanted was... to do. No, no. Okay, what I said. Listen, someone has to have done it before. What I, I, I want to dress as a big fridge, and um, I'm just going to walk up to people, <laughs> open the door, and inside is just a sign that says "Get in." You're getting <laughs> just fridged. walk up to all the all the people dressed as um superheroines and be like, "Hey, all the beautiful women." What's up? Zeb Wells called. Sorry. No no shade to Zeb Wells. He's just, he's he's the most recent case. So I've we I had met the, the guy. At he met, we met the guy. <laughs> he was very nice. By the way, yeah. by the way, everyone. Zeb Wells, very nice guy. Yep. <sighs> All right. Lex, you want to read question number two? Oh, I do. I think I have it pulled up. Oh, yes. Here it is. Hey, great meeting y'all at New York Comic Con. What was your favorite interaction with a creator at the convention? Have a great pod. Best, Tyler, the Comic Pals. Oh, Tyler. I hope everyone's okay if I take the first crack at this. (laughs) Please. I was dry heaving and crying in line to wait in line for Chip Zdarsky because some of you might know Chip is my best friend from the pod. Best interview we've ever done, in my opinion. Had so much fun just chatting up with this lovely, lovely man about public domain. That's honestly my personal favorite of his, which is hilarious that I didn't know that he wrote Daredevil and Batman going into that interview. But, you know, that's pretty on that's pretty on theme for me. But to be able to talk to him first on the podcast about public domain and bond over how wonderful it is and how much joy I could tell that it brought him. And then to translate that into finally meeting him in person and him just being so kind and so, so happy to hear me say how much I love. I love talking to him. I love his work. I've loved public domain and how I want to read everything else that he's ever done in his entire life. (laughs) Like, I just feel like he was such such a kind person and so down to earth when we talked to him on the podcast to then have that also translate to seeing the magnitude of the size of the line that he had on Friday afternoon. I was like, oh, I am extremely lucky to have been able to naively talk to this man on our podcast. I was like, I went into this thinking, this is just a great guy. No, (laughs) this man is responsible for so many fans in so many different groups of comics that he has been a part of. And to just see him be showered with so much joy and happiness from the people that waited to see him and then to get to have my five seconds of happiness also with him and to get a picture with him was just 
so fun and he was just so kind and genuine and I just I kept saying I'm like Chip's my number one number one friend there he is he's my friend kept telling Doug Chip's my friend um but it just it was just so great and then also um on the other side too I had another fabulous interaction with uh Linda Sage who I wanted to go and look at her prints on her table that she and I ran up to her table really fast. There was someone who was waiting for a commission that she was working on. She didn't really look at me when I walked up there. But I was like looking at her prints and I was like, oh my gosh, look how beautiful these Punderworld prints are to Anne. She was standing behind me and I was like, I and the guys who were waiting at the table like looked over and they're like, aren't they so great? And I was like, I just read I, I got the first volume from my friend Anne for my birthday and I just loved it so much. And I just like I just like said that and she just like snapped her head up and looked at me and she was like, really? And I was like, yes, I want everything you have ever made, please. And she was just so lovely to me in person. So sweet. And just like, I will never get over like the look of pure surprise and shock to hear that like I loved her work was just like it just tells me time and time again like these people are real normal people who are just so passionate about what they do and what they are putting out into the world and it just re really like reinstates my feelings that like I just want everybody to be so nice to these people. I'm like, I just want to take you all and wrap you in a nice sweater and just pat you on the head and protect you from everyone. I'm like, I will be your number one diehard on the internet. Because no one, no one deserves hate ever. And so I'm like, these just, if you just looked at these lovely people, quote unquote, in the wild, as I said all weekend, <laughs> they're just so, they're just so lovely and so wonderful and kind and they care so much about what they're doing. And it just was such an awesome experience to be able to finally interact with all of these people that I have slowly gotten to recognize over the last couple of years of doing this show. So that was really special for me. That was awesome. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm pretty much with Lexi. I'm, I'm firmly in chips camp. He is such a fun human being. Uh, I mean, firstly, because he, <laughs> cause of the way he doodles in, uh, just from book to book, I had the pleasure of seeing him doodle this cute little image in Lexi's public domain. <laughs> and, I brought uh, a copy of Sex Criminals to him, and uh, I'm going to say he drew something that was decidedly not cutesy in mine, but was hilarious, and I loved it for that. Uh, and in the in the same panel, uh, I also got him to give a, uh, a pretty fun shout out to uh, Dallas and my mutual friend, Keanu. Um and uh, I'm, I'm not going to give any details on that because I think if Keanu's going to post that, he's going to post it himself. But uh, yeah, Chip was such a, a wonderful, personable human being. 
Uh, and I loved how animated he was on top of that. But uh, the real showpiece for me is uh, my interaction with Tom King and Mitch, Mitch Jarrods. Now, I was a bit of a, a Tom King, I want to say agnostic, uh, up until recently. I, uh, I loved Mr. Miracle, but I didn't really delve deeper until Dallas actually encouraged me to do that. And since then, I got like a huge passion for his work. Um, and uh, I guess just in preparation for this, just because I thought it would be fun, I dressed up as a character and I'd think if I get recognized by one person, that would be fun. That would make my day. And <laughs> I roll up with Dallas uh, just kind of casually and almost immediately Mitch points and goes, Oh my God, that's Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> and, uh, that made my day. I didn't know there was another person who is, uh, that big a Jimmy Olsen mark as I am, but, uh, that means the world. It was very fun. It's very Grant Morrison <laughs> meeting Superman in the park. Yeah. <laughs> The fact that I get to be somebody's Jimmy Olsen. Wow. You're all of our Jimmy Olsen. Oh, you're the number one super pal. Me? Me? You. I didn't like any of them. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> I... Oh, gasp. I, I got to do a quick shout out. This is the was the second annual year of talking over dinner with Brad and Lisa of the comic book couples counseling podcast. They are two of my favorite people in the comic book sphere. Getting dinner with them was a delight. Um, we were able to get Ethan and Griffin, the writers on kill your darlings out to dinner as well. And chatting with them was a delight, but I think my number one full circle moment was talking for like 40 minutes with Kyle Starks at his table because Kyle was the second big creator I ever had on this podcast when it truly was like five listeners that I joked about earlier here where like Matt Rosenberg and Kyle Starks were so kind to give us attention early on and make me feel like this is something that I could actually accomplish and to have Kyle Starks be like this is so cool to meet you in person like i i know you i know how you've liked my work for five years and to talk with me as someone who is familiar with his work and there's so much candor so much kindness so much charisma and then at the end of it be like and have me back on your show soon it's been a while sir and to then feel like oh that's fun for him too like he likes talking with us and like we had a lot of those it was really fun i'm trying really not to be like name droppy guy but like it feels it felt very fun to get to talk with amazing people this year and that kyle encompassed it all because like i said he is it's been fun to see his work get into everyone else's hands and to celebrate that with him a little bit while also being incredibly excited for karate prom so if you haven't read kyle stark's comics this is your sign go pick up old head Pick up Rock Candy Mountain, The Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, Assassination, and Sex Castle. And then we can be friends again. And then when Karate Prom comes out in a couple weeks, then we can be best friends again. 
if you pick that up day one and read it with me. That's your homework, everyone. And he also drew me a great Hellboy, which made my heart happy. That conversation about that Hellboy was hilarious. Yeah, he also ruined Mike Mignola for me. He's like, take a look. How often does Mike Mignola draw Hellboy's feet? Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Doesn't I know like, what I've been, like. I've been making fun of Skippy for this for years. And are you going to tell me my favorite comic book artist of all time is also pulling feet shenanigans? Oh, comic book artist. Okay. <sighs> Honestly, watching Dallas talk to people is so fucking great because Dallas is like a bloodhound for talent that is ready to just fucking break through. And you're like, this is the most talented person I've ever seen in my entire life. And I would not know about them if Dallas wasn't here to casually sit and talk to them about the movie Black Stallion. That like was their, so... their BFFs. Alexis, remember, I think it's called Black Beauty, but remember that Black Horse movie oh, yeah. on the yes. beach? Mm-hmm. I talked with be- Jesse Lonergan about that for 10 minutes today. He was like, have you ever seen that? He called it Black Stallion. And so I didn't know immediately. Yeah. He's like, no, there's like a black horse on a shipwreck. And then it like runs around on the beach. And I was like, black you just unlocked a core. Me- you just unlocked a core memory. I that love my black childhood beauty. Movie. I watched that a thousand times. Sorry to interrupt you, Ben. No, it's just you talking to people like they're the best friend you had for years. You and Andrew McLaren was also awesome to see you and Kyle Starks just you go up to people you're like hey what's up we're we're buddies right we're gonna we've been doing this for years this is it's it's the coolest thing I loved it it's the kind of confidence I want to have next year (laughs) so thank you I have loved doing the interview show on this so thank you to the listeners that listen to those interviews but like that is secretly my payment for doing this podcast (laughs) the other work that goes into this is paid off by those interviews I, for mine, I had a lot, a lot of interactions that, that meant a lot. Um, getting to see PKJ in person was so great. Um, David Pepos, um, Tom Taylor thanked me for not jumping on the hate train. And um, he said, I like your tweets, but Lexi does his accent better. So I like your tweets. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> It was it was wonderful. Um, Daniel Samper jumped, saw me, and jumped up and gave me a hug. And um, an absolutely incredible, incredible human being. Stephanie Williams is amazing. I'm name dropping everyone I fucking know, but the one that is probably um, the best is the one I will not tell you about because the Tom King story is staying strictly between me and my loved ones. So just know that Tom King made me <laughs> have to step aside and be like i need to collect myself for a second because that was incredible he is the most incredible person to talk to and i just he loves loves what he does and he's just a he's just a dad he's just a nice dad and he's he throws a lot of um he throws a lot of good things your way and you're like i'm not sure if i deserve this but he's like you you do it's it's great and that was that was fun also um step and sage yelled at me when i came back the second time so but that was not called you out of the crowd and was like you are back again get over here (laughs) standing with lexi to see linda and Stephen looks up he's like what are you doing you're why are you back And then, you know, he really he really made me pay for it. He's like, come here. Come here. I'm going to draw you something. I'm like, god damn it. You're the best. Absolutely the fucking best. 
Oh, getting to tell Matias Bergara that he's a genius to his face and then watch mm-hmm. him get to like shoo it away and then make, no, no, no. Look me in the eyeballs. And Cy Spurrier next to him is like, look him in the eyeballs. It's like, you are a genius. And then, like, Doug and I were laughing about this. I was like, how do you do your layouts? He's like, I don't really do layouts. I just kind of, like, look at the page and I sort of reinvent it every time. And we're like, and this guy doesn't think he's a genius. And he's just like, yeah, I'm just breaking molds and doing the best artwork in the comic book industry. Eh, Just nothing. Just, Mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't use the word genius. It was great. I swear to God, if you, if anybody out there listening, lets Hellblazer die a second time, I'm going to be in your walls. <laughs> you don't know what these people are capable of. It, yeah, if Cy Spurrier's Hellblazer doesn't go for 50 issues, I am burning your entire Spider-Man collection. <laughs> You've been warned. Hey, at least, at least that way, the Dan Slot line will be pretty short next year. <laughs> For me to go talk about Don Greenwood and Hell yeah. Rad. I don't, I don't care about that webhead. The Let's talk about Doctor Who. You and me. Show's gone on for 60 years. We can talk about it for 60 years. Let's do this. Also, meeting the real life fuck Tarkington was very fun. Chris Schweitzer. <laughs> Chris Schweitzer is the number one hidden gem of every Comic Con. Also, his wife, Gem. Mm-hmm. Both of them. I'm like, oh, you two came out of the woods for this, and I love it. You just look for the wooden mercantile stand in the middle of Comic-Con. The cutest and little Santa Clauses. That's where Chris Schweitzer is. Mm-hmm. Every year of my mother's life, she's going to be getting some from Chris Schweitzer. I don't even know if she likes them, but I like them nice. so much on her behalf that I'm like, here you go. Here's another little wood carving from <laughs> this random man that I know in the woods. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. All right. This last podcast is more, this last question is more of a call out for Anne, so I'm going to read it. (laughs) Hello, yes, this is Russell from the Tomes of Evil, a show that also features Anne. And I was just wondering, Anne, where's my Omega Red? Thank you, Russ. Russ, I'm going to tell you a tale. It involves rain and water and more wet and, um, a signature on your copy of Moon Knight. That's what you get. Um, Doug spilled blood for you and your copy of Jed McKay's Moon Knight. Um, <laughs> so next year, next year I'll get you your Omega Red. But um, this year sacrifices were made, and we got you. We got you that Moon Knight. It's gonna be coming your way so- shortly. Love you. Hope you're doing well. Kisses. There are children outside, and I don't know. I think those Chuckies from the con followed us. I got jump scared by a fucking Chucky in a blow-up suit. That was That's so right. funny. Oh, I just I forgot about that. I was every time I passed another Chucky for the rest of the con, I was on my fucking toes. <laughs> I'm like, I can see you. I know you're a person. If you lunge at me, I will punch you. <laughs> you I didn't fight know the right blow-up was a person though. Like walking around it, I was like, this is a cute blow-up. Little balloon. Mm-hmm. Wrong person. They messed up what they did. Mm-hmm. Soul left my body. <laughs> well, folks, this has been another episode of the Comics Collective. Let's roll our credits. Stick around, everyone. We have a five-star review to read off on the show this time. <gasps> Gasp. And All right, everyone. Oh, Listen. Write us one. Write us a five-star review right now, listener. You haven't completely left yet because we haven't started our credits. Mm-hmm. Tell us 
how pretty we are. Write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts specifically, because that will help us grow as a show. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, do that. But if you like our show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective or our TikTok account at The Comics Collective. Or you can find each of us at our personal Twitter accounts at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics, and at Lexi Lou underscore comics. Doug, where can the people find you? Well, you can find me, uh, I don't know if I can say Twitter, uh, given the state of it, but uh, you can find me on Twitter at every kind of geek, or you can find me on YouTube, which is where I post the most at for every kind of geek. And if you enjoyed the show, like I just said, please go and leave us a five-star review on Apple podcasts or Spotify. Um, when the whole big debacle with that guy that wrote the mean article about us happened, all of his friends went and gave us one star reviews. So go give us a bunch of five-star reviews to offset those, write them all down. Um, but this year, or today, Fitz's reviews wrote and said, great show, very funny, five stars. And Fitz, thank you, great review, very funny, five stars for you as well. And finally, if you have questions or comments for us, please send them to thecomicscollective at gmail.com. And we will see you next week for Bum Bum Bum! Irredeemable by Mark Wade and Peter Krause. It's an Ann pick, folks. Hell yeah. Dallas Dallas picked the lesbians this month, but I'm picking the scary book. This is going to be great. Oh my gosh. I expect live reactions from everyone um, going through this. This is um, one of Ann's first indie comics experiences, so she's glad to share it in all of its awfulness and wonderfulness combined. We'll, we'll see what we think by the end of it should read pretty quickly so yeah looking forward to it it is available on comiXology unlimited if you want to read along friends that's how we're all gonna be reading it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thanks well, yeah see you all later bye